Amen. Praise God. Good word. Why don't you hold your Bible? Lift it up real high. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Still talking about how you can supernaturally function in your assignment. Remember the story? And uh, basically today we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter number 1 verse 6. In the morning service, the Holy Spirit began to direct me and I ended up in all kinds of places. I hope that won't happen this morning because I have about 34 minutes, 21 seconds. Amen. So it says in Deuteronomy 1 verse 6. In the King James Bible, the Lord our God spake unto us. This is the children of Israel. So God is speaking to the children of Israel on their journey to a land that flows with milk and honey. The Lord spake unto us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough in this mountain. In other words, you have stayed on this mountain too long. Get moving. Amen. And some of you this morning may feel like, you know what, I've been stuck in this job. I've been stuck in this career. Way too long. What do I, how do I break out of it? How do I go to the next level? If you continue reading from verse 6 to 8 in the Message Bible, God actually gives them this instruction. What is God's solution to being stuck and to feeling stuck? You know, some of you feel like, man, I've been, I've been in this relationship too long. Okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, all right. In the Message Bible, let's read in the Message Bible. Uh, back at Horeb, God, our God, spoke to us. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. On your way now, get moving. I your neighbor and tell them, get moving. So God wants us to get moving. You know, I was thinking about it. And in the first service, you know, I gave them a, a, a story. This happened. This guy did an experiment. So he took a piranha fish. Any of you have ever heard of a piranha? So a piranha is a flesh-eating fish. And they roll in, in a clique, in swamps. So if you put a piranha in a fish pond or or a fish tank and you put your hand in it, man, by the time you pull your hand out, it will be sores everywhere because it's a flesh eating, very aggressive. So he put this piranha in a fish tank and then he put a glass compartment between him and other fish because he usually eats other fish as well. So every time the piranha would see the other fish, he would aggressively pursue and then he would hit the glass compartment. So he did that for about three months. And in the fourth month, he took out the compartment. And then the piranha at this time was conditioned to know that he had no access. And at this moment, he would swim and even touch his food. And apparently, he actually died of hunger. But at this point, he now had access. And the Bible actually speaks of the same. It says, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, where there is life. Remember what the Bible says in John, chapter number 10, verse 10? It says, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And Jesus flips it. He says, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I was thinking, man, what happened to the piranha? The piranha was conditioned to think that he was in the land of lack. So while he had been translated and he was now in the kingdom where he had access, he was still operating with a mindset of no access. 
And unfortunately, that has happened to many of us in the church. We don't realize that we have access to his salvation. We don't realize that we have access to his goodness. We haven't realized that we have access to his, you know, awesome, loving, divine healing. Whatever you want from God, God has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of life. And that word life is zoe, which means the God kind of abundant living. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Amen? Amen. So, let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're going to read from verse 4. What has limited us? What has stopped us from enjoying uh, this life? I'm going to have the board. What has stopped us from enjoying uh, this life? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, verse 4. I'm going to try and write some things down. So you can see the graphic illustrations. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Man, I've had two services. I should be the one saying. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. If you have it, you can say I have it. Watch what it says. It says for the weapons of our warfare. Stop right there. That means you and I are in a warfare. We are in enemy territory. That's why the Bible says for you and I to learn how to fight. To fight the good fight of faith. Amen? It says in uh, Ephesians chapter number 6, it says, for we wrestle. So it's a wrestling match. It's a warfare. Amen? So if you're going to win this one, you need to learn how to fight. You know, growing up, I used to think if there was ever war in my country, uh, I would let the soldiers get to my house, and then when they get there, I would get some of that tomato sauce and put it on my face and, and play dead. And then when they go past me, then I would run as hard as I can in the opposite direction. Not in this one. You know, Satan will poke you to see if you are, if you are alive. <laughs> he will poke you in traffic. And have you ever seen, just, I'm just minding my own business driving to work. Satan will check to see if you're still a Christian. Because <laughs> it's a warfare. Amen? It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Can I have it in the Amplified uh, Version, please? I want you to see something very interesting. The Amplified Bible. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood. And it says in Ephesians chapter number 6, it says that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So your enemies are not people. People are not your problem. It's the spirit behind the person. So when the Bible says, you know, God will cause all your enemies to scatter, he's not talking about your work colleagues. <laughs> it's amazing how we get it twisted. And we send fire to people. No, God died for them. Why would he send fire to devour them? <laughs> you know, you're trying to settle your beef and you sprinkle some Bible on it. Fire! Kill that one, Lord. <laughs> you know? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we're not dealing with flesh and blood. We're not fighting with people. So whenever there's an issue, the first thing you need to realize is that it's not the person. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. There is a spirit in operation that may be influencing them to act that way. And when you realize this, you will stop fighting people. Amen? And you stop becoming so offended quickly. He says the weapons of our warfare, they're not flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. That's just a big word for houses. You know, strongholds. You know, church sometimes can get so deep, you know, you get confused. 
He's saying this is to the destruction of fortresses. That's what the other translation says. He says they are fortresses that are strongholds in your mind. Now what's interesting about him bringing up that word strongholds is that this is you. Some of you are like, no pastor, that's not me. Okay, let's put a smile on your face. So this is you and me. So when the Bible says strongholds to the destruction of strongholds, can everybody see? I'm going to move it a little bit here. It says for the destruction of strongholds or fortresses or castles, fortified castles. That's a better word. And here's what's interesting about the way you build a castle. You build a castle one brick at a time. So he's not talking about scattered thoughts. He's talking about a system of thinking that has been cemented over a long period of time. What's your stronghold when it comes to marriage? Is it a kingdom-based stronghold or it's a society, worldly-based stronghold? You know, my Auntie Betty didn't survive in a marriage. So you're building. Uh, even my cousin, James. Uh, this marriage thing doesn't work. And then you watch the news. Uh, 50% will divorce this year. What are you doing? You're laying bricks. And then you're creating a system of thought. And then you're going to wake up one day and say, Man, I, I don't think my marriage will survive. Where did you get that? It has become a stronghold. So you, you have a small issue in your house. But I told you, now this is for the 16th time, that you don't squeeze toothpaste from the middle. I'm tired of this marriage. I wonder where that came from. It came from laying bricks once, one brick at a time. It's the same with poverty. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was embarrassing to get a new TV. So I was laying a brick. So when you get, got a new TV, you'd have to sneak it in at night. Because if you brought it in the daylight, everyone would look at you like, who do you think you are now? Are you leaving our community of poverty eyes? Who, who do you think you are? So I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed of wearing new shoes to school. So I would put some, you know, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I'd try and make them old, like, you know. I can't be the one wearing new shoes. What are people going to think about me? I was creating a stronghold that resists and rejects anything that has to do with abundance. Now, see someone driving a car. And in my community, it was such a stronghold. The first thing people would say when they see someone driving a nice car is, you don't need all of that. <laughs> Who told you that I don't need all of that? Amen. What it, does, what it does is it creates a system of thought. And here, the Apostle Paul, go back to the King James Bible. The Apostle Paul is saying, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down. That phrase, pulling down, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to the destruction. Thank God, God has given us the power to destroy these things. And what's so awesome about the destruction of strongholds, and has anyone ever watched uh, Extreme Makeover? You know, I think there's a guy called Joey. His favorite part is uh, when the uh, demolition part. The demolition part. He just comes with this, you know, the big uh, 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 escalator and just boom. Excavator. What is it called? Uh, that too. He just comes and boom. And he just destroys the thing, man. And it takes about five minutes to destroy. That's what's awesome 
about dealing with strongholds. You can make a decision, you can make a decision today that I'm going to destroy anything that is anti the kingdom of God. Anything that rejects anything that has to do with progress in my life and accessing, you know, what God has for me, you can reject it and destroy it today and start building brick at a time towards what God says in his word. It's not going to be an overnight success. Unfortunately, there's no such thing in the kingdom. Always seed, time, and harvest. <laughs> so even if they spray you with the doom, <laughs> it's not coming that quick. God has designed the system to work one brick at a time. So as you come into a service like this, as you're going to a live group meeting, they are laying one brick at a time. They are changing the way you think so that at the end of the day you have a stronghold that works for you. A stronghold that is based on God's word. Amen? And when you have a stronghold that's based on God's word, man, I'm telling you, you're on your way up. Let's go now to Colossians chapter number 2 verse 8. Colossians chapter number 2 Verse 8 in the King James Bible. It says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That word philosophy, again, it means just a system of thought. You know, some of you think, Pastor T, I'm not a philosopher. But you live by a philosophy. Every area, unfortunately, uh, live based on a certain philosophy. Ultimately, God wants us to live by the philosophy of Jesus. And by the philosophy of his kingdom. We were in New York uh, with Pastor Henry and a few of other elders. And uh, we were going into Manhattan. So we got to the harbor. And Pastor Dave was so excited about it being in New York. It was our first day, man. We're going into New York. We're going to get on the boat and go to the Statue of Liberty. So he's walking. We're all excited. And he saw this one guy standing at the gate. And he said, yeah, hey, good morning. And this guy just looked at him. Sure. And then you can say, no, they don't greet out here. New Yorkers don't roll like that. They have a different philosophy. It says when you greet, they, the first thing that they think of is, what do you want to sell me? Why are you trying to steal from me? Why, why? And it's opposed to South Africa. If you get into a taxi and you don't greet, we think you're rude. You know, where did you come from? So it's a different philosophy. It's a different system of thoughts. And God ultimately wants us to live based on a system of thought that he has prescribed in his kingdom. Amen? The greatest limiter in Africa is a grasshopper system of thought or a grasshopper mentality. And I don't say this to be funny. I'm going to show you a story just now. You know, it's, 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 it's bad. It's terrible. Because that's the philosophy that most of us live on. And that's the software we're running on. And we need to fix that. Amen? Now watch what it says here. It says beware. Notice it didn't say be aware. Because be aware means, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. Just be familiar with what's going on around you. Beware means basopo. <laughs> Loinja. <laughs> it says be aware. There's danger. Wake up. It says be aware lest any man spoil you. That phrase spoil you means take you captive. Throw you into prison. How do they do that? 
through philosophy, through a system of thought and vain deceit. And you must understand, when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the church at Colossae, he was writing to a bunch of intellects who thought they knew more than, you know, what the Bible was presenting to them. And he was saying that kind of thinking was taking them captive or it was throwing them into a prison. Literally, a system of thinking can throw you into a prison. Amen? And you need to have a system of thinking that is based on God's word. So what does he say? Uh, philosophy after the tradition of man and not after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. What does that mean? That means our philosophy should be based on what Jesus has to say. Your philosophy at work should be based on what Jesus has to say. Your system of thought. And what is that system of thought? He says whatever you find your hands to do, do it as unto the Lord. So your system of thought in your assignment and at work is to realize that I'm not working for my boss. I'm actually working for God. And it is God who is going to promote me. Man, this will cure you of all the disappointments. Amen? Your system of thought in marriage should be to serve one another. That's your philosophy. And I used to think, uh, uh, growing up, I used to think, man, when I get older, I'm going to try and get, go to Hollywood and find the most beautiful woman in Hollywood and marry them and I'll never have to deal with a divorce. Boy, I was wrong. Because they've been finding them. In fact, they found one. Uh, she has been voted uh, the most beautiful woman, I think six times in a row. And right now she's on her seventh or sixth marriage. So evidently, it's got nothing to do with physical appearance. It's got everything to do with the philosophy you're running on. See, if you're going into marriage with a philosophy to take, you're not going to succeed. Your philosophy has to be to give. It's the only place in the world where you give and give, not give and take. Okay, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all don't like it. Let's go to numbers. Like, whatever, Pastor, move on. What's the next point? What's the next point? Point number four. Numbers 13. Remember the children of Israel? God has given them this land. He has told them, hey, I've given it to you. And this land flows with milk and honey. He's already given it to them. Notice every time God gives you something, he does not say, hey, listen, I'm trying to get you this land. So I'm still in the negotiation phase. He didn't say that. He says, I've already given it to you. And it flows with milk and honey. All you have to do is to now get up and take possession of it. And that's your part in it. It is to get up and take possession of it. It's called faith. And when you don't take possession of it, it's just not going to work for you. Let's go to Hebrews 4.2 and then we'll come back to the grasshopper. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. So there are two groups of people, us and them. Do you see it? It says, Unto us the gospel was preached, or we received the same word, us and them. Unto us the gospel was preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. I wonder why. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you don't have to worry about what I'm teaching this morning. If you don't want it to work for you, just don't have faith for it. 
So you don't have to panic. <laughs> like, oh man, I don't want this to happen to me. It's simple. Don't believe in it. <laughs> then don't act on it. It's not going to happen to you. Because if you mix it with faith, then you'll begin to see some results. You know, uh, Pumlani, welcome back. He ran the comrades last week. Man, he's a soldier. He's a soldier. So if we went, I saw people crossing the line. And some of them were looking real frail. Now if we went with one of the doctors here at the finish line, and we saw one person just cross the line, man, just, just, just barely making it, and then they cross over, and we go out and we grab them, put them on a stretcher, and take them to one of the doctors here, and we ask them, hey, to do a diagnosis to see if they're okay, and they come back and they say, hey, praise God, this person is fine. All they need, they are dehydrated, all they need is water. And then we go out, we grab a bottle of water, you know, distilled, steel, seven stage, hydro filtrated, ice cold, Holy Ghost sanctified, water, and we give it to them. Say, here is a bottle of water. That's all you need. And the doctors say they have to drink this water in the ne- within the next 30 minutes so that they don't pass out. We give them the bottle of water and we say, man, you've got 30 minutes. Do you believe if you drink this water, you'll leave? And they say, I believe that if I drink this water, I will leave. 15 minutes. I believe. I said, I believe. That if I drink this water, 29 minutes, 55 seconds, I believe that if I drink this water, I'm going to leave. 30 minutes, they drop down and they pass out. Question. What they believed, was it true or false? So how come they still passed out? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you believe. Pastor, I believe in miracles. Act like you do. I believe if I give, it will come back to me. Good, I believe it. I'm preaching to you now. <laughs> I believe. Believing is not going to get you any results. Acting on it. That's why the Apostle James in the book of James says, faith without works. That word works just means faith without corresponding action. Is what? This is why ladies, at at some point, ladies will tell you this. You know, just saying, I love you, I love you. You're just saying. Just saying, I love you, I love you. No, you're just saying S H O to the W. Show me. I want to do something. Have some corresponding. Buy some flowers. Get some, you know, get some chocolate. Do something. And all the ladies. <laughs> and you have to act on it. Even humans know that there has to be some corresponding action to what you're saying, right? And that's all he's saying here. He's saying they heard the same word, but it didn't profit them because they didn't bring in corresponding action. 
They didn't act like it was true. They didn't act on it. God is saying, I've given you a land that flows with milk and honey. Act on it. Start taking steps to that place and take a hold of it. And make it yours. God is saying he has met all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Start acting like it. You know what a man like that acts? Uh, uh, A man who understands that, you know how they act? They act in the realm of generosity. The number one reason why people don't give it, whether to the church or to their friends or to their spouses, the number one reason why people don't give is because they don't believe they have. No one is just greedy. Well, there are some people who are, you know. But, I, you know, at least I have some hope in humanity. I don't believe no one is just greedy. I believe people at least tell themselves, you know, when I do have some time in the future, I will give. But right now, I don't have. And here's un- the unfortunate thing is that the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you start giving a ten rand, if you start going, you know, out with your friends and start, you know, practicing these things and, not, and act like you're prosperous and start running on a prosperity philosophy, guess what? You're going to start manifesting. When you stop making excuses for the car guy. Okay, all right. Okay. Numbers, Numbers 13. Numbers 13, verse 30. Watch what it says, uh, verse 32. These people, God had already given them the land. Watch what they say. Numbers 13, verse 32. And they brought up an evil report. So Moses decided he was going to send ten spies into the land to see which area they're going to go in first and to see if this land really flowed with milk and honey. And the Bible says when they came back, they brought a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to carry it between two men on a lamp pole. So, I mean, this place was really it was really prosperous. So they came back and they gave the report to the people. So the ten spies got up. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up its inhabitants thereof. This is contrary to what God has said. God has said, This land flows with milk and honey. They are saying, This land flow, uh, eats up its inhabitants. You know? God is saying, man, this thing flows with milk and honey. They're saying, no, it kills people. <laughs> and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Wrong. There's no country in the world that everyone is great stature. Bicep, everyone. No. 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 Ladies. No. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in whose sight? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. He said we were in our own sight. In other words, we saw ourselves this way. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And what's the net effect of seeing yourself as a grasshopper? The net effect of running on a wrong philosophy is that no one is going to argue with you. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. So whatever you think, you are right. And I was asking uh, 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 Pumlan again, you know, because I want to run that two uh, uh, comrades. I want to run it. So I said, what's the biggest hurdle? He said, the biggest hurdle is your mind. 
He says what you tell yourself along the journey. You're going to have to keep telling yourself, I can do this. And I can finish. Because guess what? When you start telling yourself, I can't, you're also right. (laughs) And it's bad. (laughs) I know it's bad. But that's what the Bible says. So what have you been telling yourself? Someone shout, I'm no grasshopper. I'm no grasshopper. And we write songs about it. That's what's sad. We write songs about being a grasshopper. I'm just a nobody. <laughs> we write songs about in the church. The Bible is saying, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible is saying you are God's workmanship, created for good works or for good things. And you turn around and you say, I'm just a nobody. (laughs) They said, man, we're just grasshoppers. And guess what? The giants probably changed their perspective of them. Like, oh man. We thought they were strong. Man, they're just grasshoppers. Because it says, so did the giants see them. They started seeing them as grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb had a different story. Watch what it says in verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are what? Well able. He said, man, we are well able. We can do this. We can take this land and possess it. If you go to Numbers 14, verse 6, he he, he kept preaching. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, verse 7. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Those other guys are saying it's a land that eats up its inhabitants. Can you see a difference uh, of perspectives? It's the same land. Someone else is saying, man, this land eats up its inhabitants. Someone else is saying, this land is an exceeding good land. What's your perspective on life? What's your perspective on on marriage? I don't know why I keep talking about marriage. What's your perspective on uh, business? What's your perspective on your career? What's your perspective? Because whatever your perspective is, that's what's going to be your reality. The ten who said it's impossible didn't make it into the promised land. The two who said it was possible made it into the promised land. So what philosophy do you hold? What philosophy do you entertain? Because whatever philosophy you're entertaining, you're laying a brick into your mind, which will ultimately create a stronghold. You know, I always talk to single people, and I think it was Asani who came and did a single seminar, and uh, someone asked, they said, you know, Pastor T, uh, Asani, they said, hey, Asani, uh, is there a shortage of eligible uh, uh, bachelors in South Africa? Because we've got the statistics. And then Asani said, it depends on who's asking. He said, why? He said, because if you have a mind of plenty, you'll be bumping into, tripping over. (laughs) Eligible bachelors everywhere you go. You will not know what to do with them. He said, but if you have a mind of scarcity, we'll take you to China, where they have more men. (laughs) They have 16 million more men than women. You will still not find a man. <laughs> then we, who's asking? Yeah. And what mindset do you carry? 
That's the question. Who's asking? Uh, uh, do marriages thrive in 2018? Pastor? It depends on who's asking. And what philosophy you're running on. Okay, alright. Okay, That didn't go over so well. <laughs> Let's read Psalm uh, Deuteronomy 8.18. Let's kill this thing about finances and the kingdom and then we will go home. Amen? Man, Nigeria, how can they lose like that? <laughs> Man, I, I told my wife, I said, honey, and this is a true story. I told her, I said, honey, I need a hug. <laughs> I said, we only left with one more African, you know, team. One more. Okay, at least France, we have France. So. <laughs> yeah, at least we have France. <laughs> we have a chance there. <laughs> Deuteronomy 8.18. Watch what it says. It says you shall remember the Lord. So what's your philosophy on finances? And the kingdom. He says you shall remember the Lord. For it is he that has given thee the power to get wealth. Now if wealth was evil. As most people think. Why would God give you power to get something that's evil? So it's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So God has given you the power to become productive in the marketplace. To get wealth. What's the reason? He says he has given you the power to get wealth. You can put an S-O between wealth and that. It just helps to you know, make the point. So that he. Notice he says he gives you wealth so that he. Do you see it? He says he gives you wealth so that he may establish his covenant. What is his covenant? His covenant is the gospel of grace. So when God gives wealth, it is to establish the covenant of the gospel of grace. The primary reason, and Satan has perverted this. I want you to catch this. The, most people run on a philosophy that thinks the prosperity gospel is about things. T-H-I-N-G-S. That's why it's been rejected. No, it's not about things. It's about preaching the gospel. The primary reason God wants you to get wealth is so that he can use you to publish the gospel. Because it costs money. The gospel is free, but publishing it costs money. Go to uh, Psalms 68, verse 11. You know, most of you in here have dreams to preach the gospel in different ways and means. You know, some of you want to preach the gospel in movies. Some of you want to do magazines. Some of you want to open a radio or TV station. And I can almost guess why you haven't done it. I think I can guess. (laughs) If you give me one chance. Called money. So your philosophy around money and the gospel has to change. God has set up the system this way. He wants to minister to people in the earth and he has set up the system that he uses people. When God wants to go to Polokwani, he's not going to come down from heaven and go to Polokwani. He's going to send someone. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man ill-treated Lazarus. They both died and went to heaven. The rich man was in, 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 in the pit of fire and he started calling out to Father Abraham, Father Abraham, why don't you send Lazarus with just a drop of water? And Father Abraham said, there's a gulf between us. He cannot come over to you. And then the rich man said, okay, if it's not for me, at least for my brothers in the earth realm, why don't you send Lazarus from here 
back to them, at least if they see someone who's come from the dead preach the gospel, they will hear him. You know what Father Abraham said? He said, we already have teachers and prophets. Let them hear them. Even if we send Lazarus from the dead, they're not going to believe him. They'll say he wasn't dead in the first place. <laughs> he, had, he had fainted. <laughs> they just not, they'll say it was a put on, it was a show, it was, you know, it's a scam. They're just not going to believe him. He said, we already have sent people in the earth realm, and that's how God does things. He uses people. You are God's hands and God's feet. And if your hands are tied, because you have a wrong philosophy around money, you're not going to do much in terms of publishing the gospel. Amen? So money primarily is not for things. In 1982, I believe, the church that I grew up in, they almost killed that pastor. For buying a Peugeot 30504. <laughs> they almost killed him. You know why? Because they made it about things. Man, things change all the time. iPhone X, there's going to be an iPhone Y, iPhone Z. Man, things always, you can't keep up. <laughs> it's not about things. There's always a nicer car than yours. There's always nicer shoes than yours. It's not about things. God is not that shallow. It's about the gospel being preached to the nations. And that's why you shouldn't get tripped up by being a part of preaching the gospel to the nations. Because that's what it's about. Amen? Watch what it says. Uh, it says, the Lord gave the word and great was the company of those that published it. Great was the company of those that made it available on different platforms. You know, Satan is called the prince of the air, which is the prince of the airwaves. We need to dethrone him even in the airwaves. By publishing the gospel to many nations. And I'm telling you, and I really believe this. I believe that Facebook was an idea from God to Christians. But we would rather pray in tongues. Because we don't believe God is that creative. I mean, the dude paints a new skyline every single day. Just, just show it. Sometimes he sprinkles some stars on it. Just, you know. The dude is creative. And he has all these things for his children. But the church would rather, you know, sing songs and talk about escaping. You know, we'll get out of here one day though. <laughs> Let's just soldier on. Let's soldier on. <laughs> one day we'll escape. And then we'll get to the other side where it's going to be beautiful and we'll sing songs with uh, James, Peter and John. <laughs> and you know what's interesting about that whole picture? God is sending us back. <laughs> the Apostle John says, I saw the new earth descending from heaven going back <laughs> man you better get used to being in authority and dominion in this earth realm and the way you do it is by changing the way Romans chapter number 12 verse 2 is this good so far? Romans chapter number wait oh we're out of time why don't you stand on your feet Thank you, Jesus. Romans. 
Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, God is good. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise for you are a good God. Father, we thank you for the philosophy of the kingdom. A way of thinking that is shaped after the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you that we will be able to dethrone every stronghold that is contrary to your word and that is contrary to your system. Father, this morning we uproot and destroy every thought of destruction, every thought of backwardness, every thought of retrogress. And Father, we release thoughts of possibility, thoughts of progress, thoughts of increase, thoughts of abundance. Even as the word heaven means a pushing out, an increase, a going forth, a taking charge, we release that spirit this morning. Father, we thank you for these, your children, even as we close this series. We thank you for the areas of assignment you have called them to change the world. Father, we thank you that they will flourish in those areas. Lord, we thank you for witty inventions, creative ideas. That will flow even in the night seasons, in in their restful place. Lord, we thank you that innovations will flow. Creative ideas will flow. Father, we thank you this morning that we will not resist the advancement of the kingdom by being uh, taken captive, imprisoned by vain philosophies of man. But Father, that we will be submitted to your philosophy, the philosophy of the kingdom. Lord, we thank you that every marriage under the sound of my voice is submitted to your system of governance. Even as you have said in the, in the word that husbands love your wives as lo- Christ loved the church. Christ was willing to sacrifice for the church. Father, we thank you that even as you have said wives submit to your husband. Lord, we pray for a proper perspective of what that means to submit in love. Father, we thank you for every father under the sound of my voice as it is Father's Day today and all the fathers to be. Father, we thank you for giving them wisdom so that they may know how to raise up their children in the ways of the Lord and that when they are older they will not depart from it. We thank you, Father, that you will give them strength, that you will give them provision so that they may be able to provide for their families. Lord, we thank you that they will not lack any good thing. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have prayed and everyone said, Amen. Hey, y'all, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs>